The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. Hey, it's Chris Jericho. You're listening to the Rough House Podcast featuring the sexiest beast in all of Maryland and surrounding areas, the illustrious Chris. And Marty. Behold, a podcast for the ages. Recorded live from the interdimensional terror vortex of their subterranean dwellings comes the Rough House Podcast version 3.0. Two galactic warriors put down their war hammers and battle axes to perform a more noble task. Complaining about professional wrestling on internet purchased microphones. Now with more Simpsons references and Kota Ibushi thirst. This is the Rough House Podcast with Marty and Christoph. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Rough House Podcast, episode 225. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm Marty. And I am uh, Christoph, and I watch more WWE in the past week than I have in a year. Hey, so. there you go. And you know what? Let, why, why delay? Let's just jump into it. The World Wrestling Federation. For over 50 years. The revolutionary force in sports entertainment. No sooner, Chris, than I ask something aloud on the podcast about whether or not we should drop WWE entirely. You have an episode <laughs> last week that was yeah. almost entirely WWE. Yes. It, actually, I think it was entirely WWE. I think it was as well, yeah. And this week, there's a lot of ground to cover. Because one week ago today, uh, April 11th, was the second night of WrestleMania, and your boys, we both sat down, we watched the entire show, no rain delays that night, No. and uh, while the highs were not as high and the lows were far lower, I still think it was a pretty damn good show, and I came away from it going, you know what? That was a damn fine weekend of wrestling. It's one of those things where... You see this a lot in musical artists. Mm-hmm. So you look at like, um, and I, I don't attack me for this, <laughs> but something like a melancholy in the infinite sadness, the 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 Smashing Pumpkins double disc release, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. solid double disc effort. However, yeah. if you shaved the lesser off of that yeah. and made just one CD of straight up bangers, mm-hmm. it would be held in an even higher regard. I, I honestly feel that way about pretty much every double album ever made. Yeah. Live you, albums aside, they yes. don't they don't really count. And I'll, yeah, I'll give you, you can't fit that into, you know, an right. eight minute disc because you're, sure. you're you're trying to chronicle a show. And I'll, I'll give uh Shocker. I'll give Metallica's Garage Inc. a pass because they're, you know, the first album was new covers and the old, uh, uh, the second disc was older covers, but they were all covers, but sure. Not like a full on new thing. Full front to back double album release almost universally can be cut down to one disc. And then what you leave out, some of those songs that are killer, they become the great B sides that everybody feels special for having found. That's right. And, you know, if, if people don't eventually feel like they've reached the level you think they should have, they can just release them uh, yeah. with a 90-day non-compete. But that's a whole other thing. We'll get <laughs> but in terms of WrestleMania, and I feel – I don't know if this is because I was drunk night one and sober night two. Yes. I feel like the better matches – matches, not finishes. Yes. The better matches were on night two. Um, with the f- one glaring exception. Well, 
obviously were like you said the highs were high the lows were fucking dirt low um but overall like you know i i really enjoyed the main event yes that was one of the i I think one of the greatest wrestlemania main events in history will go down as that being the triple threat roman reigns defending and retaining yeah uh, against edge and daniel bryan uh just an absolute banger of a main event all three guys looked awesome my only complaint if i were to have one was the too much (laughs) it was a little it was a little new japan uh uh yeah Yeah, it was a little much but beyond that i mean the the image of the um the double submission on roman yeah. is like that that is a wrestlemania moment that's going to be one of the ones that end up in you know the the uh video packages of the history of wrestlemania yeah like that, that and the pin of yeah. stacking them on top of another yes. after dual concertos yes. uh to the two guys with head and neck issues no <laughs> less <laughs> But yeah. Uh, but yeah, that match uh, was really good. I really and I th- I feel like I'm the, in the total minority here of really enjoying Sheamus and Riddle. I um, saw a lot of people bad mouthing that on the internet, and I was very surprised. It was very hard hitting. Like yeah. the crowd could have given a fuck, right? But I'm used to that. That there's typically one or two matches every Mania where the stadium crowd is just like, eh, whatever, and it's actually kind of pretty good on paper. Um, yeah. I, I thought it was awesome, and the fucking brogue kick out of midair finish yeah. that absolutely destroyed Riddle's mouth, like, that yeah. ruled. Uh, I was yeah. I was all about that. Cole's rico- uh, ricochet super kick off the uh, off the moonsault can take a back seat now yes. to the, to the yes. brogue kick <laughs> moonsault between those two. Could you imagine? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure when the last time Seamus re-upped his contract. Yeah. But could you imagine maybe a... Uh, Three or four years ago, say yeah. say say it was three years ago, he re-upped. Yeah. Could you imagine Sheamus not re-signing and going to New Japan? Oh, he's on my list of guys that in stiffing his way time, through Osaka. In another world, yeah, him as the big angry Gaijin would have absolutely ruled. Uh, he's he would have been the there. Vader of the of the tens or twenties. Yeah. He's up there. Cesaro's up there. Uh, yeah. Rusev is up there, and maybe we'll get to see that. You know, in a in a post COVID period. Yeah. Um, Barrett was a guy for a long time. Where especially when he got released, I was like, hey, if that's a guy who wants to beat the fuck out of Ishii, like I'm in. Um, yeah. You know, I, I I feel like they had this especially in the early you know 2010s like this group of like european dudes who beat the fuck out of each other the league of nations <laughs> pretty much uh minus del rio yes yes um <laughs> like they they could have really been in a different time like you know that foreign invading star type you know doing all japan tours wrecking shit like brody like that that yeah. would have been fucking awesome but of course you know the the time is is what it is and Seamus is you know on the other side of 40 and has a fucked up neck so we probably won't see it but to get a a glimmer of it at Mania was very nice Um, also up until the finish I kind of dug Apollo versus Big E me too it was really good it was super short and the finish was bullshit but when they were just you know they i think it was only like it was under 10 minutes it was like eight minutes or seven yeah, minutes yeah. or something there, a lot of these matches were shockingly short including uh owens and, and zane which we'll talk about in a moment I'm yeah sure. 
Right. But yeah, the 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 plunder that they used in that Nigerian drum match. Yeah. For as stupid as a gimmick as the name implies. I mean, it was, a you know, a typical plunder match. And, yeah. you know, the uh, the urinagi onto the stairs from the apron was brutal. Yes. There were a couple other really uh, good they, spots. Uh, Biggie did his spear to nowhere yeah, uh, within the first few moments. God damn yeah, it. That spot. And uh, of course, as as many people, including myself, joked, ah, yes. Their traditional Nigerian weapon, the kendo stick, making its appearance. Did they actually ever use the drums as a weapon, or were they just around the ring? I I couldn't recall. Yeah, (laughs) had they given been given a couple more minutes, maybe they that maybe they would have gotten to that. But no, we had the the big debut of uh, General Caesar Babatunde, uh, (laughs) Commander Aziz. Yeah, Commander Aziz, the former Davacado, Tom Haverford showing up at uh, (laughs) at WrestleMania. He's the the inverse Tom Haverford. Yes. Yes. Sorry. He's like the smallest little man in history. Uh, But then this guy, he's what? what, Seven, seven, three or something. Something like that. Uh, Very, very tall man. You apparently um, can't teach that. Is what you I can't. I, I, you yeah. know, it's been disputed in the years since, but uh, <laughs> scientists are saying still not teachable. Um, but we did have uh, Owens and Zayn uh, finally getting their WrestleMania moment. The Logan yeah. Paul stuff was pretty much just he sat at the commentary booth and said "fuck all," and yep. then got stunned at the end. So perfect use of Logan Paul. Um, Agreed. And again, a short match, but a brutal one. They just went out there and beat the piss out of each other, and it kind of rolled. Yeah, the only thing missing from that match uh, was their typical ladder spots. But they've done those in other WrestleManias. So to have a a full-on one-on-one wrestling match at WrestleMania for those two um, was, you know, it was it was really good to see. Uh, And you know, they they put on a hell of a match again. Not that long. I think it was about ten minutes. Yeah. Not not super long. Uh, the one match that I think the the reach exceeded the grasp uh, for both talents though was the uh, switch of the Raw Women's Title. Uh, you could tell they were definitely trying to do a a longer match, trying to uh, do something similar to what Sasha and Bianca did the night before. But for me, Rhea and Asuka never really clicked. Um, there there were some good moments. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to say that, you know, it was an unimpressive match, but it just I don't know if they have a lack of chemistry or if it was nerves or what exactly it is or was. But it really was not basically the mind's eye version of that match that I had was not what I saw on Sunday. And that was a little disappointing. I didn't dislike it. Yeah. And I feel like what was keeping me going through the match was my gut feeling that Rhea was going to win. And I was excited for that, even though I adore Asuka, but it was, you know, Rhea needed to get this big, big stage win back. Mm -hmm. Um, But it seemed, yeah, I I, I would agree with you. It it, it seemed choppy at times. And there were some, some lulls and some stuff that didn't probably wasn't as crisp as you would have liked to have seen. Right. Um, but, but yeah, you know, for this one, it was kind of the inverse. The the match was so so, but the finish was right. Uh, exactly. So you know, exactly. they, they couldn't really. The only one they really got right was the main event in terms yeah. of action and finish. Right. Um, and then the women's tag team match. I okay. Uh, I will say I kind of enjoyed this uh, <laughs> through the majority of it. Because I really like seeing Shayna Baszler beat up on people, well, and that, the exchange the between her and Natty is really what uh, what got it going. Yeah, at at some point, and um, 
uh, you could audibly hear um, Naya say to Tamina, lay it in. Uh, yeah. So I don't know if that was like the general uh, rule of thumb for the match, because Natalia decided she wanted to die for all our sins yeah. right in the middle of Tampa. Yeah, you want to shoot on Shayna Baszler, you got a death wish, kid. Yeah, she got shoot murdered by yeah. Shayna Baszler mid-match. Um, I don't know if you saw the photo that uh, Natty posted after. Yeah. Did not get any teeth knocked out, but those teeth went clear through her lip. Yep. So uh, she got herself a nice little lip hole, thanks to Shayna Baszler. Um, you know, you're welcome, TJ. Yes, yes, you're you're, you're very <laughs> welcome on that one, Teej. Uh, but you know, uh, for expectation versus reality, reality proved better than expectation. Yeah, no, 100%. And to the point where, you know, we were texting each other as we were watching because Tamina was getting like all kinds of baby face, uh, you know, not heat. What's the opposite word there? Uh, uh, fire? Yeah, sure. There you yeah. go. Fire. Yeah. Which is not really the opposite word I, well, when you yeah. think about well, it. I, but, I, would, yeah. I, when I think of baby face fire. No, no, no. It, no, it, no yeah. you're, you're correct. I'm just saying in, in terms of the wrestling nomenclature, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they're supposed to be opposites, but they're the similar fair, fucking fair. thing. Um, Got that baby po- face chill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> to the point where I was texting. I'm like, oh, shit. Tamina's going to fucking pin, her, pin Nia Jax and be the baby face new champ here. Because uh, yeah. for a couple minutes, it sure seemed like that's what was going to happen um, until, you know. I'm, I'm, and I called it as soon as it fucking happened. As soon as she got, um, as soon as Natty put Naya in the sharpshooter, I'm like, all right, yeah. here comes Shayna to to lock her in the. Uh, uh, what she use the the Kirafuda clutch or was yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, uh, clutch is what. They yeah, call yeah, it. yeah. I mean, it's a rear naked joke. I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. but you know, uh, there's the, so many different. You know, there's the Koji yeah. clutch. There's what 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 did Joe use? Uh, Kokina clutch. Kokina. Yeah, I, I, I get yeah. fucking confused. Yeah, it, it, it is very confusing. Uh, and speaking of confusing, uh, the show started in the most auspicious of ways as we had the return of The Fiend against oh, Randall boy. Keith Orton. Um, I, I, I will say for like 30 seconds at the top of the match, I was into it because you had uh, Alexa. Co- well, you had Randy come out uh, wearing all white new gear for him. Kind of like yeah. that look. Um, you had Alexa come out and then you had the box and the fucking fiend theme hits. And I hadn't heard the fiend theme in ages. And, uh, that, that's a pretty great theme. Uh, credit to code orange for their cover. Um, Oh, that was code orange. Yeah. Uh, and then fucking it's the fiend. He's not a big fiery turd anymore. He's actually like reconstituted. Uh, and they, um, they, they, You know, rehydrated. Yes, yes, they they rehydrated him, um, and then the match started, and the fucking red light was back. Yeah, sucked. And then the match mm-hmm. was basically plotting. nothing. Yeah, it was it was yeah. a lot of plotting back and forth with uh, uh, the fiend no selling until Alexa pops out of the box like structure. Which is Jesus a, Christ, Michael. Which is a fucking WWE turn of phrase if I've ever heard one. Alexa pops up. She's got like all this like weeping uh, mascara dripping down her face and everything. It distracts the fiend. He eat, eats one RKO. Clean finish. One RKO. One. After everything else that the fiend 
canonically has been through over yes. the course of his run. Yes. One RKO. One RKO. Get the fuck out of here. This was this was WrestleMania at its worst. Yes. I'm sorry. Like, yes. you know, it, it, it's this was bad community theater with a massive budget. I saw a tweet on Sunday. Uh, I, I forget who wrote it, but they said uh, it was as if Saturday was booked by the WWF and then Sunday was booked by the WWE. Mm. And man, mm. is that a great encapsulation of things because, wow, uh, you know, uh, it was, it was a really strong front to back show. And this was just a roller coaster, uh, including getting some things right, which again, the WWE does do sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but it was not sort of like the golden WrestleMania, you know, image that we have, which I feel like even for its weirdness, Saturday gave us more of. Um, but man, that, that opener was just such a wet turd and the crowd booed it appropriately. Rightfully so. so. Yeah. And then when they showed the highlights of it later in the night, yeah, they booed it again. <laughs> I, I will give the night two crowd credit for booing appropriately, both yes. at the fiend debacle and also the, the Hogan stuff. Yeah. And um, the random return of the Bellas to beat up Bailey, which was I mean, problem. I mean, you know, they were only booing because they were expecting it to be Becky. Sure. I don't think that I think they all were of us were expecting it to be Becky. So, well, I mean, that's Becky's, you know, her doing. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Essentially. That's true. Um, so that's what she was trying to get heat on everybody else for it. Poor Bailey though. I mean, you know, yeah. for somebody who for all intents and purposes carried the women's division through the COVID era, uh, gets nothing, nothing substantial at WrestleMania aside from a couple ding dong, hello backstage segments and, you know, gets yourself rolled down the, the, the ramp by the Bellas. Yeah. Poor Bailey, poor Pam. Sorry, yeah. Pam. Re- really, really not a, uh. Uh, a great sign of of how she is viewed there. Yeah, um, she should she should ask to see a manager. Yes, uh, <laughs> especially because uh, this week gave her nothing else because we had Raw on Monday, NXT on Tuesday, and SmackDown on Friday. All of which started the exact same way. You had your champion come out and talk about how great he is and how he beat all challengers, and he hopes someone steps up. And in all three instances, there was no real clear delineation of where things were going. Later on in the show, we got ideas on each show, mm-hmm. but it was the same fucking template, and it resulted in three incredibly tepid post-Mania weekend shows. Yeah, I mean, f- Raw after Mania had kind of become its own thing of of big returns and big debuts and big storylines being jumped off. And yep. aside from the Viking Raiders coming back, there yeah. is really nothing of note on Raw that at least popped up on my Twitter feed that I remember. Yes. So, so uh, well, we also had the return of Charlotte Flair. Okay. Who is full on <laughs> heel now. Uh, okay. Which is good to know. Um, but, uh, and she, they, they re-ran, uh, Rhea and Asuka as a uh, raw women's title match on Monday. What and they did? Yes, they did. And it ended in DQ when Charlotte got involved. Oh, of course. So, it did. uh, I imagine that is something we'll be seeing at the renamed backlash, which is now WrestleMania backlash. And so far it looks to be WrestleMania again, because Great. on the raw side of things, the big, uh, storyline and 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 what have you throughout the course of the night was, uh, 
you had Drew, who wanted a world title shot. His explanation was he got distracted by MVP when he was going to throw the Claymore. By the way, mm-hmm. all MVP did was yelled, hey, over here. Yeah. Which, like, a fucking Is a definition stadium, of a distraction. It is a but... definition, but, like, a fucking stadium is yelling at that time, Drew. Yeah. Like, fucking block it out, bud. Um, MVP's got a very distinctive voice. So, so <laughs> fair. So his argument was, when we have a rematch, I will beat Bobby Lashley. You had mm-hmm. Braun Strowman come out and say... I beat Shane McMahon. I want a world title match. And you had Randy Orton come out and say, hey, I beat The Fiend. I want a world title match. So Adam Pearce comes out and says, you know what? All three of you make great arguments. The fuck Drew did? (laughs) Dude just said, hey, I think we'd have a good match. The other two are like, I beat people. (laughs) I I earned a shot. So they had a three-way. And, of course, Drew won, which means we're going to get Drew versus Bobby Lashley. Who did he pin? Uh, you know, I don't remember which one of the three he pinned. Let me look back. I can't imagine him pinning Orton. Uh, he pinned Orton. Wow. Yeah. Orton gave <laughs> Strowman an RKO. McIntyre uh, broke up the cover, gave Orton a Claymore and pinned Orton to become number one, content- number one contender. So it's Lashley McIntyre again at WrestleMania backlash post-match MVP runs out. And McIntyre runs into a double choke slam by T-Bar and Mace. Um, so I guess now they're working with the Hurt Business, too. By the way, they did fuck all to talk about what was going on with King Corbin. Is Well, I think that MVP put out a tweet saying that Corbin was not in the Hurt Business. Yeah. But so you're not going to follow that up at all that. on television? No, no, of course not. Um, so Retribution is done. Yes. Yeah, they turned okay. on Ali. So why have they not changed their names? <laughs> why are they still T-Bar and Slapjack? T-Bar and Mace. Thank you. Whatever. Thank you. Whomever. No, you, Who gives you, a you shit? have a great point. You have an excellent point. I can't give you an answer. What I can tell you is SmackDown on Friday started with a promo by Roman Reigns. <laughs> Roman Reigns was interrupted by Cesaro. Okay. Intriguing. Interesting. Sounds good. But Reigns immediately leaves because he doesn't feel like Cesaro is worth his time. Oof. Oof. That's 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 brutal. So later on in the show there, it's Caleb Braxton backstage with Heyman, Jay Uso and uh, not Cesaro, uh, Roman Reigns. Mm -hmm. She's saying, hey, you know what? Cesaro beat Seth Rollins. Maybe he deserves a shot. Roman says he doesn't deserve shit. Not in those words, of course. Sure. Uh, he doesn't deserve shit. And you know what, Jay, why don't you have a match with him tonight? So that becomes the main event of the evening. Cesaro ends up winning that match by DQ because Seth Rollins runs in and says, I'm not done with you yet. Uh, okay. So for WrestleMania backlash, we are going to get Seth Rollins versus Cesaro. And still no challenger yet for no Roman No challenger let for, yet for Roman. Probably was there, Daniel Bryan and Edge. I was going to say, did Daniel Bryan and Edge show up on the show at all? Nope. <laughs> okay. All right. No. Nursing their wounds. I mean, I you know, I guess they to sell it there, sell the, the beat down. They, yeah. they, they uh, accept it at WrestleMania, have them off TV the next week. That makes a little bit of sense. Maybe one of them or both of them will come back. I'd, I'd, honestly, at this point, I'd rather see them have a program with each other than get involved in this title sh- uh, 
situation again. That that's fair, but you know what? We're running back everything, so why not run back that? <sighs> God, it's just so fucking lazy. Yeah. Now, uh, I I, I kind of jumped the gun here on something I want to talk about from Raw. Okay. Um, there's actually two things I want to talk about from Raw. Uh, the Return of the Viking Raiders. Uh, no, no. So okay. there was an angle throughout the show. Kurt? No. Jason Jordan? No. Okay. It was Mandy Rose and Dana. Oh, Mark. okay. Here we go. And they walked in on Shayna and Naya. Shaping each other's backs. No, watching the footage of uh, Mandy Rose taking a fall and Mm -hmm. laughing about it. Mm -hmm. Mandy Rose and Dana Brooks say, hey, we're better than that. We want a match. We want to throw down with you. Okay. So a match gets set for later on in the night. Mm -hmm. That match happens. That match starts with Nia tripping over the top rope. Okay. And midway through this match. The match that Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose asked for, they leave the ring, say to each other, it's not worth it, and get counted out. What's not worth it? Being mocked? Was the, I the, don't was, fucking know. Did they play the rope trip as as on purpose or as uh, just something that happened? Well, Nia's the one who flipped over the top rope and fell down. Okay. But basically, they were getting their butt kicked. They decided they who wanted the match. Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose were getting their butt kicked. They decided the match wasn't worth it. They left and got counted out. Was this a title shot? Yes. (laughs) So they walked out of a title match because they were getting ouchies. I. I, Yeah. The fuck? Yeah. Who booked this crap? I think you know. Look into your heart. You'll see it. <laughs> but, Search your feelings. You know it to be true. But what made it even weirder and an even worse show was we had a new commentary team. Oh, yeah, that's right. <clears throat> so, so Tom Phillips we, is gone. Right. Yeah. He, I, he's getting the urge to face fuck on 205 Live now. Yes. He has been replaced by former ESPN talking head Adnan Verk. Okay. Adnan Verk has never called a professional wrestling match in his life. Cool. And it shows as he knows no move names. Right. Well, why would you? He he knows nothing. And he is the lead commentator on Raw now. Well, Raw's the B show now. So, you know, (laughs) clearly, that's, you know. No disagreement. And even weirder. Although it would make sense as the week went on, Samoa Joe, who had been one of the few bright spots of raw right. commentary, he had also been removed, replaced by Corey Graves. So, am, am I to believe they're only doing a two-man booth now? Oh or no, is it's a Saxon's, three-man booth. Saxon's, Saxon's still there. <laughs> what about on SmackDown? Is it just uh, is it's, it just Cole and Pat McAfee now? Yes, it is. Because Pat Mac uh, to to pull it together, Pat yeah. McAfee replacing Corey Graves. Pat McAfee. Who legitimately 2020 Wrestling Observer Rookie of the Year, right. Pat McAfee, who last we checked had an ongoing feud with Adam Cole in NXT yeah. that they were going to pick back up at some point. Pat McAfee, who is a better in ring worker and promo guy than let's call it 
90% of the main roster? Uh, I mean, come on. Maybe in WWE uh, yes. rings, but not like, I mean, look, the guy had a couple good matches. Like You can't say that he's more talented than, you know. Think about the fact that there are 300 people. Well, there were 300 people under contract. <laughs> no, there's 280. Uh, well, still, there, there were 90. 300 people under yeah. contract. I would say there's probably 30 people ahead of Pat McAfee, and he probably slots in at 31. I, I mean, I, I have oh, I didn't of, really of watch one, any of his stuff, so I can't. I just, that's just, and in ring, and I recognize. Hey, seems like a bold Adam statement. Cole, like they they practice and everything, but between that match and between war games, like that guy could legitimately be yeah, a but star he, for them. That's 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 essentially saying that Bad Bunny, you know, after his one WrestleMania match, is a better wrestler than, you know, 50% of the roster. People were saying that on Sunday. But that's a stretch, even for me. I, I admit it's a stretch, but you know what? If you have that Bad Bunny match and then you bring him back and he does a kick-ass war games, I might start believing you. Yeah, but war games isn't a wrestling match. It's a fucking – it's a it's – a, Orchestra of plunder and spots. Isn't that what we described like half the matches on Mania being? I don't I don't I don't know. I'm I i do not know why I'm taking umbrage to your to your claim about Pat McAfee right here, but yeah. it just seems it seems like a bit much, right? Yeah, I, I, I'm much. just saying I think it's kind of ridiculous that they have uh, a talent this strong and they go, you know what that man needs to do? He needs to sit in a commentary booth. <laughs> Well, maybe maybe he's got uh, something physical wrong with him. I, it's you possible. Know. Also, I look forward to him leaving very quickly, considering a few years ago at Mania, he almost walked off the show because Michael Cole yelled at him for wearing shorts. <laughs> that's right. I forgot about <laughs> so that. So <laughs> he's going to do great with Vince McMahon in his ear. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Did um, So there were two people who had never done commentary before thrust into commentary positions yes. this week. And, you know, doing that on its own is yeah. difficult, extremely yes. difficult to to tell the story, call the moves and, and do all these, especially, you know, for uh, Verk uh, to be the lead guy yes. and, and anchor the show. That's that's a big undertaking. Um, and luckily, Saxton and, you know, for all as annoying as Graves is, he's pretty good at doing yeah, his job. His, his core competency is strong. Yeah, uh, and even to the point where during WrestleMania he had to correct Adam Cole like a handful of times with moves. Uh, did I say Adam? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. His son, his father, uh, <laughs> Adam Cole's father, Michael, yes. um, had to had to correct him on 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 move. I think he called a uh, a, a Mishinoku driver a blue thunder bomb. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. And, and the Zane's and Zane and Owens match. Cole botched the finish to Banks. He botched and, uh, the finish on that. He also botched Bianca. the finish on SmackDown this week. I don't know what's going on with Michael Cole. But I don't know. Some, maybe all weird. the uh, maybe all the ink from his nineteen Bruce Springsteen tattoos is gone. <laughs> his head. God, is there is the few things make more sense than that guy being a Bruce Springsteen fan? I, I and I may you know I may get some heat for this. Fucking can't stand Bruce Springsteen. It's obnoxious as shit. <laughs> like we get it. You're about America and blue collar. Hey, Fuck off, dude. Go count your money somewhere. You're in the one percent. Eat a dick. You don't speak for the fucking blue collar Border Rust Belt people anymore. Yeah, fuck off, Bruce Springsteen, you piece of shit. 
Now like, I put him in the same place of uh, uh, of uh, Bob Dylan, where it's like, all right, but I don't get it, man. So yeah, great, great shifts around on commentary there. Uh, by the way, uh, Adnan Verk doing some press this week, uh, announcing even after Monday, still has not yet met Vince McMahon. So that's cool. Seems about right. The thing is, though, this to me is uh, clear, or it makes very clear the level of power that Nick Khan has in WWE. Big win for Batman. Yeah, excellent work. Um, but yeah, Nick Khan, he's come in as, as a new president of WWE. He's made these shifts to commentary. He worked out the Peacock deal. Um, mm-hmm. He's doing mainstream press for the company. Like, is he the next Vince? Is he our yeah. guy? Like, I was just going to say, yeah, sorry, I, I, sorry, Hunter. Yeah. Sorry, uh, sorry, Paul and Steph. Uh, I, I think he's <laughs> a dude. He, he apparently also is the one who brought back John Laurinaitis. And, oh, oh well. boy, did John Laurinaitis do his job this week. He had a busy, uh, busy week back then. He had in, a real uh, busy week. Ace. Lots of phone calls, at least yeah. 10 of them. Yeah. So, because <laughs> on Thursday, one year to the day mm. of mm. the great April bloodletting of 2020, 10 yeah. more individuals cut from the WWE. I'm going to try to invert this from the least surprising to the most surprising. Yeah. Cut from WWE, Wesley Blake. Bo Dallas, Mojo Raleigh, Kalisto, Tucker, Chelsea Green, Mickey James, Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, and Roughhouse favorite Joey Samoe yeah. all have been cut by the WWE. Uh, rumor and Scuttlebutt says that this is uh, not everyone. Um, apparently, some NXT cuts were going to be coming. Those do not get traditionally announced. In a WWE.com statement, usually it's on the individual to post something on social media about it. Um, I can tell you some names that I would have liked them to cut, but that's neither here nor there. Rhymes with Schmelva Team Shmeem. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, and Raxon Niker. Yes. Uh, but some of these aren't shocking. Wesley Blake, the forgotten member of the Forgotten Sons. Yeah. I get it. Bo Dallas. Has not done anything in ages, but I'll be damned if the fiend truthers didn't believe he was on oh. suit on Sunday. Holy shit. You sent me a link of fiend truthers and yes. it like made my blood boil that yes. there are people who uh, probably, you know, woke up at midnight to watch the Snyder cut and then watched it five <laughs> times in a row. Those are the same people. Yes. Okay. It's yes. just fucking hell. Yeah. Get a get get a hobby, a, a better hobby, a real hobby. But yeah, Bo Dallas, not a shock. There had been the word about him, you know, getting into real estate and setting up his farm with Liv Morgan. Cool. God, still boggles my fucking mind. Yeah. Just does not make sense. Does no. not compute. No, it's that not. being said, I would still watch it. Yes. Watch that Bo Belly bounce. <laughs> <laughs> Got Mojo Raleigh, which I guess he no longer gets to stay hype. I think it's just in the past now. Um, yeah, he was hype for quite yeah. some time. Has not worked a match since June 2020. 
Mountain Did they also life. release uh, the backstage mirror that he would <laughs> that he's staring talk into. to himself into? Yeah, where he's doing and his Bill Meccano face paint. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, they, they did not. They did not say anything about that. Kalisto, who will be doing a good lucha thing, woo somewhere else. Um, <laughs> Probably Tucker, in Mexico. Tucker, who was fucked for the minute they split him from Otis. Yep. Chelsea yep. Green, mind-boggling because she has literally all of the tools and had just gotten signed to a new three-year deal at I the know. end of last year. I feel I feel really bad for her because yes. it seemed for a while that like they were giving her shots, but it yes. just, you know, she broke her wrist twice yeah. during like main roster call-ups and had another injury in NXT when she was down there. It was it was a start stop but not because of anything she did. It was just kind of a, a, a folly of errors for her. Well, the thing that is so weird is um, I was reading highlights of an interview that Chelsea Green did with Fightful mm-hmm. and talking about what she did, you know, what uh, during her time on the main roster. And it, it just further underlined how much of like a absolute cult that fucking company is. She would literally every single taping sit outside of Vince McMahon's office for four hours, hoping to get time with him. Wow. The only reason why she was called up to the main roster is because she guessed Paul Heyman's email address and emailed him. What? Yes. Paul.Heyman at WWEcorp.com, right? I mean, it makes <laughs> she, sense. She guessed it and got into his ear and he was like, you know what? I like her, you know, her husband. And let's go ahead and uh, give her a wow. shot. Uh, she, she was, um, I'm, I'm trying to remember the timeline of this, but it was something where she had been called up to the main roster in April of last year and was mm-hmm. not told officially by Triple H until like June that she had <laughs> been called up. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. It's just like, what, what the fuck is happening? Like, um, she, uh, she worked her, um, worked her SmackDown match. The one that she broke her wrist in where she was supposed yeah. to be joining the survivor series team. Mm-hmm. She was told that she was going to debut under the name victorious. Weird. Victorious. Name. Yes. She worked the match was announced at Chelsea green. She was confused by it. And then while she was waiting to go to the hospital, she was told by the writers, oh, we were going to have you do a post-match promo to explain your new name, but you have to go to the hospital now, so we're not going to do that. <laughs> but she didn't have a new name. No, no. She she ended up not having the new name, but she was going to do this promo where she's no longer Chelsea Green. Ah. Uh, she's victorious. Wow. Yeah, that's fucking awful. And in, in every imaginable yeah, concept. Yeah. Um, so Chelsea Green cut Mickey James cut. Not a huge surprise because she is north of 40 and Vince yeah. doesn't understand that women exist then. Yeah. Um, Billy Kay and Peyton <laughs> once they Royce, dry up inside, they're of no use to me. Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, the Iconics. What a missed cut. opportunity, man. I mean, the, the collective female R-Truths. Yeah. Of the WWE somehow aren't deserving of a spot in the WWE. Yeah. I mean, Billy Kay, the f- hands down was the funniest woman on the roster. Nobody, no. nobody came close. No. Um, she, you know, that's, you, she you was the definition. Me. 
is of chicken salad out of chicken shit and of just throwing thrusting her in a a situation and just having her riff fucking glorious and they had some success they won the women's tag team titles Mm -hmm. once Mm -hmm. at wrestlemania yes so they they had that for them um i was getting chicken tenders at that time sorry girls uh that was the only match i thought i could i could take a break and no and no, get no. I, I i understand it. i mean it was them versus bailey and sasha of course no title change was gonna happen whoops yeah exactly <laughs> um but uh but yeah that was it, it was kind of shocking because i felt like they still they were i don't know i don't i just last week I, or two weeks ago, I was like, you know, they're both still on the roster and they're not a team anymore and they're looking for partners. And there's no rule preventing them from being partners. Why aren't they partners? Well, right. now we know because they yeah. were going to get the axe in a week. But it, it, it just made no sense that you even would separate them. I understand that the Michaels Genetti idea worked once. Yeah. 30 goddamn years ago. And let's yeah. be honest, it's because one of them had a much bigger drug problem than the other one. <laughs> yeah. That you could kind of go, oh, well, there's one that we can push as a single and the other that needs to go away. I mean, you know, everybody forgets it, but they really tried to make Marty Jannetty a thing until Pain Pills decided they wanted to win that war. Yeah. Um, but Billy Kay and Peyton Royce were the perfect complements to each other. Billy Kay had more personality than Peyton. Peyton had mm-hmm. more in-ring skills than B- uh, Billy. Mm-hmm. It's what a tag team should be. And right. they were so goddamn delightful as a duo. Like, I just, I look at that and I go, like, if you can't figure out how to make money off of that, you don't know how to make money. Well, and then that they, brings They know us, how to make money, yes. but it's business dealings, not from yes. their own talent. That's, that's the issue with WWE. Fair. But then that brings us to number 10, Samoa Joe. Yeah. I get it. Samoa Joe is 42 years young. He's, he's mm-hmm. not a spring chicken. And we also don't know the state of his health uh, because he was put on the commentary uh, assignment due to concussion issues, that sort of thing. Couldn't get cleared. But if there is any guy who I can point to more than any other in recent memory where he was someone you could slot in at any point as a main eventer and they refused to acknowledge the skill Joe yeah. has got to be a one. Yeah. People were posting promos and, and moments from his tenure in WWE yeah. all week long, you know, him shit talking Brock Lesnar and how that yeah. was the closest anyone had gotten to get a real fight feel out of Brock, the yep. fucking, uh, SmackDown promo where like all these guys are saying they should be champion. And Joe just comes out and dunks on everyone. Yep. Like he had a respect and a an aura that few guys have an air of both entertainment and legitimacy. Yep. And again, if you can't figure out how to make that make money for you, what is wrong with you? Yeah, and this is, you know, obviously speaking before the injury bug caught up to him. Yeah, he was he was one of those guys, you know, probably with I would argue to say some of the highest indie or highest outside of WWE cred there was, you know, aside from AJ Styles, probably the only other one on the level of, of Samoa Joe in terms of what they accomplished before eventually signing with WWE. Maybe Shinsuke too. Okay. Those two. 
That's a, that's a, that's well, a, the I mean, he, that, you know, Joe came up in a generation of guys. It was him, Daniel Bryan, it was CM Punk. Yeah. They were yeah. the holy trinity of the indies. Mm-hmm. Mid-2000s, uh, Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, whatever you want to call him, he decided yeah. to stay in Ring of Honor for a bit longer. CM Punk goes to WWE. Samoa Joe goes to Impact. And ultimately, all three ended up back in WWE's wings at a point. Yeah. And it's just like the the fact that he had these moments of brilliance on the main roster and they never rendered into something more. I mean, this guy took the dog shit creative that they gave him and AJ Styles and turned it into gold. Oh, who who doesn't still hear him saying Wendy, you know, yeah. like going after AJ's wife and, and making his daughter cry. Oh, God, this is good shit. Yeah. And and it, it's just jaw dropping that they couldn't figure out. what. It, I mean, on commentary, he was working circles around everybody else in the booth. Yeah, pretty much. <sighs> Nevertheless, let's have a little fun here. Who do you think goes where? Where where, where do you think <sighs> the the realm of, of things is? Now let's let's preface this under the idea of everyone decides to continue wrestling. Right. And also everyone is healthy enough to continue wrestling. Okay, all right. Um so Oh boy. I mean, obviously the fantasy booking goes Samoa Joe to AEW. Hundred percent. I mean, just because of the star level the celebrity level the the cred level yeah that we just spoke about and the potential matchups that are there i mean yeah. that's you know that that's the most obvious um in terms of the iconics and assuming they go somewhere together because there's probably more money in them together yes than, separate. than there is separate um man i don't know because Sure, people want to say, oh, Tony Khan should scoop, should scoop up all these talented people. Yeah. He shouldn't because they're not all going to have a spot and yeah. they're not all going to necessarily thrive in that environment. Yeah. Um, do I think the Iconics could work in AEW? I don't think at this time it's a good idea yeah. because they're trying to legitimize the women's division – as being a bunch of serious ass kickers. And I think right. having a comedy team come in there at this moment, yeah. probably not the way to go. So I, I think impact is probably the best choice for the iconics. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking impact for the iconics as well. Perhaps ring of honor, knowing that they were uh, prior to COVID trying to rebuild the women's division. And they are still talking about having, you know, a big yeah. women's title tournament. I could see that. Uh, similarly, Mickey James, I could see in a ring of honor. I also could see her joining up with her husband and NWA. Uh, NWA. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Chelsea green, I think is probably the only other one where a hundred percent go. Oh, AEW should, should, and probably will pick them up. Did she win that full four way? Who won that four way uh, at all in Brit won the four way? If I remember Brit correctly, Okay, but Chelsea was in that four way. Yeah. So it strikes me that Chelsea was on their radar. Chelsea was someone who they wanted, um, so I, I can see, you know, her fitting in there. And I think she has that mixture of in-ring skill plus, you know, a big enough character yeah. that I think it could work. Uh, you know, does she do the hot mess again or does she, I would assume as much because she's already got t-shirts out on PWTs. Yeah. Or I think she's just trying to take advantage of the, you know, Fair. of the buzz. Fair. 
Um, but there's also her history with Impact as well. So, yeah, that's you true. know, she could go back there. Um, Tucker, I don't know. Tucker strikes me as a guy who we may never see in pro wrestling ever again. Uh, we'll see him at the uh, MCW Fan Fest or something. Yeah, I, I could see him uh, at MCW. I could see him uh, maybe get a Ring of Honor shot, maybe get an Impact shot, maybe get an AEW Dark shot, um, which is what I actually foresee for uh, another guy here in Kalisto. I think Kalisto is not a guy that AEW needs by any means. They've got better Kalisto right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they they've have got the a best few Kalisto better Kalistos right now. Right yeah. now. Yeah. But. Kalisto, or as he was, Samurai Del Sol on the Indies, right. he uh, he had some moments of brilliance. So I could see him popping up on Dark or Dark Elevation just to get their eyes on him and see what happens. But at the same time, my gut instinct went, ah, your new X Division champion, Samurai Del Sol. <laughs> yeah, in- Impact <laughs> makes a lot of sense for him if... MLW is going to move forward with this Ooh. Lucha Azteca underground adjacent uh, offshoot or or, or storyline. And you need, you know, I'm not sure of the amount of luchadors they have in MLW. Uh, so I feel like that would be a good spot for him to to showcase his abilities. Um, you know, they keep doing these teases. I think the most recent one was like a photo of Dario's key that he used for Matanza that made me a little moist downstairs. I had a little leakage. Uh, <laughs> up front there. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how, how that pans out. Uh, you know, MLW is certainly a place maybe a Wesley Blake could go. Um, yeah. I don't really, I don't know about that guy. Yeah. I mean, I'm, he I'm was not sure where he would fit in either. He was kind of, you know, to, to overuse an already overused phrase and that we already mentioned, he was kind of the Janetti in the Blake and Murphy tag team. He was Janetti in the forgotten sons. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's just, uh, I'm sure he's talented in his own right. I, I just, I don't see a world where he's, you know, main eventing any pay-per-views anywhere. Right, uh, right. You know, he may, you know, get some, uh, some indie bookings. I'm sure he, I'm sure all these people could get indie bookings right now. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Bo, because he probably is not going to continue wrestling at this point. Um, but Bo is an interesting case. Cause man, that guy started out, Red Hot, you know, he was an FCW champion. He was the first NXT champion. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, he, was uh, he was the first. Second. He was the NXT champion on the network. Basically, he's the first one that a lot of right. people knew. He beat he beat Seth Rollins for the title, though, didn't he? Uh, Big E, I think. No, Big E. He, yeah. Okay. Because yeah. it went Seth, Big E, then Bo. Then Bo. All right. And, and then Neville beat. Uh, right. In that ladder Rollins. match. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if Bo Dallas wanted to wrestle, I, I think he certainly has enough contacts in the industry, and he's sure. got the pedigree of, of being a, a rotunda. rotunda yeah. But it sounded to me like he was totally done with pro wrestling. Um, Mojo he just Rally, doesn't believe in himself, I guess. True. Mojo Rally is, a, is an interesting X factor because I feel like that's a guy who will... Here's a guy. <laughs> yeah, here's a guy <laughs> who will give all of himself to pro wrestling if given the opportunity. But yeah. I don't, I don't know where he would fit in. He's not an AEW guy because he's not a work rate guy. Mm-mm. Ring of Honor fans would shit on him. Oh yeah, they would destroy him. Yeah. So maybe Impact, maybe MLW. Definitely the MCWs of the world are going to book him as you know, 
former WWE star, you know, sure. like he, he's got some serious like traction of, you know, doing indies like MCW Northeast wrestling, you know, that sort of thing where it's about, you know, here's some local guys and the stars from television. You know, yeah. I mean, maybe it's a hype bro reunion and impact with him and, uh, maybe Cardona Ryder. I always got the feeling that, uh, Cardona really hated him. <laughs> I mean, he's like, not a very likable guy. Hated him, he's like, hated he's him. fucking obnoxious. <laughs> and I get it. He's I mean, that was that was the gimmick. The, being hype and annoying was kind of what he was paid to do. Yeah. And in that respect, he did it well. Yeah. But that doesn't translate into me wanting to watch him wrestle. Very true. But you know what wrestling we did want to watch this week, as did a lot of people? Uh, 1.29 million of them. Yeah, 1.29 million. The question was asked once NXT leaves, what would happen with AEW's ratings? They would nearly fucking double, is what would happen. Yeah. 1.29 million watching the live show on Wednesday. Look, I'm not going to sit here and say that's an amazing number, uh, but it's a damn fine number, especially compared to what they were pulling. For a non WWE pro wrestling show, that's yeah, a 2021, fucking awesome number. That is that is stupendous. You know, I'm I don't really love uh, ratings discourse. It's not something <laughs> I like to dig into. I mean, you and I look at the numbers on on Thursdays just yep. out of There's like, oh, talk. you know, what's going on? You know, like what 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 is the state of the world? Um, I, when thinking about how NXT moved over to Tuesday and got 800,000, I was thinking 900,000 for AEW. And that would mm-hmm. be a nice bump. You know, they typically yep. average seven, 800,000 to go to 900,000. That'd be nice, you know, like a nice little bit of growth to bump up as high as they did. And look, maybe it was Mike Tyson. Maybe it was the very, very clever, dis- you know, dispersion of WWE stars throughout the night. Mm-hmm. But something made that work, and it pulled in a hell of a big number on what was minus Mike Tyson, just kind of an average AEW show. I mean, uh, you had two title matches, yes, right, yeah, but it was a pre-taped show, and 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 what have you. But I thought it was a damn fine show, uh, and I was very, very. I can only imagine how happy uh, the the AEW crew was to see that number on Thursday, uh, and yeah. also how happy Turner was to see that on uh, on Thursday, because goddamn, if, if this is what we're looking at moving forward, uh going to be a very, very nice period of time to be AEW, um, especially come contract renewal time. Yes. Um, but uh, it was a damn fine show regardless, because the reason why I said it was a less than show is you had no Mox, you had no Omega, you had no Cody. Um, so yeah, but doesn't that speak volumes to to what uh was accomplished in terms of the rating though oh yeah i mean yeah yeah that, no, granted that... like you said there were ex wwe guys sprinkled you know strategically throughout the show yeah but your 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 main event was two not guys that had never wait i'm sorry that's a lie it was matt hardy yeah. uh well the main guy the champion had never yes. been in wwe yes and your opening big uh you know pull people in match was Four guys who have never been in WWE. Three quarters. Pack Neville. Oh, that's right. It wasn't Penta. It was Pack. Sorry, yes. I'm so used to it being Lucha no, Bros. No, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. But you're right. I, I forgot it was. Yeah. Uh, I forgot it was Pack. Because you, you, you had Pack at the top of the show. You had Jericho in the middle of the show, and you had Matt Hardy at the end of the show. Yeah, so. but you know, do, do 
and you know, a lot of the increase was in the 50 plus uh, demographic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do those people remember Pack as Neville? You know, I don't know. Uh, that that is a good question. Um, I mean, if it's the X, X, uh, if it's the X and XT crowd, right? Probably. But May, yeah, maybe I don't know. But uh, any way you look at it, big number. The thing that I do want to ask you, Chris, is mm-hmm. on Sunday night, right after WrestleMania, on Peacock, they aired the Stone Cold podcast with Chris Jericho, which was, at least for the opening, a pretty big infomercial for AEW. Yeah. So you, you're you're proposing you a think, correlation yeah. between uh, the number and that podcast. Yeah. Also, how how pissed do you think Vince was on Thursday when he started to put one and one together? <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, I feel like <sighs> does Vince really see AEW as a competitor? I'm not sure. Well, at least prior to Thursday afternoon, I'm not, I'm not sure that was the case. I was, I, yeah. I still think he. I, I, I still feel like he's Vince has this mindset of them being a bunch of bingo hall dropouts who, you know, would never crack it in in his organization and let them do their little thing. And I think that there's a a professional um, respect still because Jericho, you know, his exit was not uh, a fuck you and, you know, fuck your family sort of thing. He asked for permission the whole time. There, there's, there's a respect between the two, and both of those guys have made each other a lot of money over yeah. the years. Yeah, very true. So, you know, I feel like that's why Steve Austin got the okay to do that podcast is that mutual respect and the fact that he didn't really see AEW as a real competitor for them. Yeah. If Steve Austin were to ask uh, for Christian Cage to be on his podcast, uh, you know, in the in the coming weeks. Chances are Vinnie Mac's going to gonna put the yeah, kibosh no, Vin, on that. Vinnie Mac would say it'd only be okay if you put a blue dot on Christian's face. <laughs> <laughs> Did you yeah. ever hear that story? Um, I don't think so. Uh, Kevin Dunn thought Christian was ugly. So he it, apparently there is a pitch in WWE creative that uh, Christian w- Christian's character would be that he was so ugly they had to put a blue dot all over his face when he was on television. What does a blue dot accomplish? It hides his face. Oh, like a big bl- you uh, say yeah. dot. You say dot, and I'm thinking like a little. No, you know, no, no, no. Like a big superimposed oh. blue dot that covers his face on television. Okay, all right, yeah. Dot and dot dot is small to me, so I I, I didn't equate that to head yeah. size. A, a large blue circle to there cover we his go. face. Okay, that's that's fucking ridiculous. He's not a he's not a hideous. There are more. There are. L- less unattractive there are less attractive people mm-hmm. on wwe yeah uh, I, I think he's a perfectly fine looking gent he's yeah he's uh, you know no no, no qualms uh yeah. e- even edge is not a looker neither no. of them are like especially you know, not now where he looks like fucking dehydrated jesus <laughs> if you put a photo of peak edge Next to um, Ewan McGregor as as long haired Obi Wan, <laughs> and some artist interpretations of Jesus. Do old Bible thumpers get confused? Undoubtedly, 
Undoubtedly. <laughs> By the way, Canada. We, we were going to talk about uh, AEW. How soon I forget <laughs> as we dig into Jesus and Obi Wan chat. Uh, well, um, you know, just getting hyped for that show. But um, but yeah, the uh, overall. I don't know if there's a correlation. I guess we'll find out next week yeah. uh, to see what you know. Because this is, you can kind of equate this to the first AEW show, which was the other sure. show that drew a number of this size. Yeah, it was. It was the curiosity, of what was going on. You don't know if what happened on Wednesday will bring those 1.9 back, or if it will. It, it, you know, the 1. word of mouth will have it 1.29. If it will increase via word of mouth, if it will decrease because you know people were just looking for wrestling and they didn't like right, what they right. see. We, we, we won't know in, until the weeks to come um, yeah. in terms of if there is any kind of correlation. We might not ever know. I don't know unless they do a really exhaustive survey of 1.29 million people who, uh, you know, reported to Nielsen that they watched this show. Yeah. But um, I do think the show was enjoyable overall. Yes. Um, to throw some uh, shade at the TNT app. Uh, it The TNT app froze during the Chris Statlander match. And oh. I, I agree it wasn't very long from what I hear. But like I couldn't couldn't oh, watch it. It kind of just froze and I had to like fast forward to the next segment, um, which is a bit of a bummer. And fuck you, TNT app for that. Uh, but that, that is a massive bummer. But uh, the show kicked off very, very strong. AEW World Tag Team title match. The Young Bucks in their new heel gear. No yeah. tassels, but they do have some fuzzy uh, bell bottoms. And be- bedazzled headbands. Bedazzled headbands. Yeah. Uh, they were defending against the Death Triangle team of Pac and Reef Phoenix. This match was not a full-on spot fest as you would expect, uh, though there were some very incredible spots, including uh, stereo uh, poison ranas on the floor. Beautiful. But, but they actually worked kind of a straightforward face-heel match here, which was... Yeah. A very much a surprise and, and very delightful. Um, there were definitely a few moments where I thought for sure we're going to see a tag title change, but the Bucks end up retaining in a match that uh, Uncle Dave gave five stars. I don't know if I'm a five star guy on it, but I know I enjoyed it. I enjoy it very much, but you know, obviously, you put Ray Phoenix in a match, and my enjoyment level goes up significantly. So, and not to take anything away from Pack, yeah, but you know, Phoenix is the fucking dude right now. Yes. No, it was it, it, it was really, really good. The finish was uh, Nick unmasking Phoenix and then the Bucks hitting stereo super kicks right. on Phoenix. They chucked his mask into like the third row of Daly's place, which I thought was a, a nice little touch. Also a nice little touch. They're sneakers. Chris, did you did you hear about the sneakers? Sneaker gates, sneaker gate 21. Yes. Yeah, I don't care. I'm not I don't give a fuck about sneakers or how much they cost or if they're fakes or not. I'm well, sorry. I don't so, give a fuck. So uh, the sneakers that the Bucks were wearing were uh, a Dior variant of the Air Jordan. Uh, the, right. The Bucks are, if you're a BTE fan, you probably already know this. The Bucks are sneakerheads. They they yeah. like their Jordans. So these are a pair of Jordans that go for eight thousand dollars. Okay. Which goes to the you know we're rich heels thing. Sure. But the part that people were pointing out that to me just adds to the heel gimmick is apparently these were bootleg versions of the shoes, which I think is hysterical. The idea of them buying bootleg versions, trying to pass them off. Like, that feels like an even more heel move. Like that, Yeah, that, that feels I, I, like I guess. Some great character work for those who actually give a fuck about sneakers. Yeah, I mean, I have a pair of sneakers. <laughs> I have, yeah. and, and, you know, granted, I have, like, four pair of Iron Maiden uh, Vans high tops that I bust out every now and then, yeah. but in, <laughs> that's my shoe thing. Um, but 
I I could not give a like and the pair of sneakers I have are like twenty dollar fucking pay less you know they were comfortable sneakers right. that's that's my give a fuck about shoes yeah. um so I I could I could really give two shits about this to yeah. be honest uh, I I just thought it was funny that someone was like oh wait no they're bootlegs which is like well one it's a good thing to know they didn't spend sixteen grand on shoes cumulatively but well. two. Hey. I think it's funny that that, you know, for that crowd, that probably makes them even bigger heels. Uh, we had Jade Cargill finally get her one-on-one match with Red Velvet, where Jade just basically beat the fuck out of Red Velvet. Yep. Um, this was fine. It's totally fine. Anthony Agogo made his debut, and he took out uh, Cole Carter with a KO gut punch. <laughs> with the whiskey Agogo. Uh, yeah. Um, sure. I have no problem with this being a finish to a match. If he's a legit, well, he was Olympian, I think Olympian yeah. boxer. Well, yeah, of course this should be a finish. Uh, yeah. I'm glad, you know, it, well, it, it was weird to do this on the same show with Mike Tyson and not have them, uh, interact right. at all right, right, or, right. or ha- make even make a reference to the other, what the other was in there. Um, but, but yeah, no, that's it. I have no problem with this, you know, body shots hurt and you know, you take a, Take a stiff punch to the, to your rib cage. I mean, a punch theoretically could break a rib. Yeah, I don't I don't see you know, especially well, a barehanded one. Well, the part that's funny is there were a lot of people going, "Oh, his finish is a gut punch." If you had left Dynamite on, you would have seen One FC, the MMA company that is currently right. running after AEW, which had a ref stoppage due to a gut punch. Yeah, literally, yeah, exactly. you know, t- an hour and a half later. So right. There you go, folks. Uh, we had Chris Jericho uh, against Dax Harwood with the guest enforcer Mike Tyson. Uh, it, it struck me that this was actually like the first match that the Pinnacle and the Inner Circle have had yeah. on the road to Blood and Guts, and uh, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was really good. They they busted their asses on this one. It was a good brawl. Um, you know, there was a whole to do with uh, the Inner Circle and uh, Pinnacle coming out and what have you, and uh, Dax Harwood took a easily three quarters, if not the full four quarters, legit punch to the face by Mike Tyson. Oh, it was cash. That's what it was. Sorry. Yeah. Dax was in the mash cat. Dax was, was in the match. Cash took the punch. Yes. Apologies. Um, but yeah. And good, sold the shit out of it too, which was God. probably yeah, <laughs> legit. <laughs> took that real, real hard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a good use of Tyson there. Um, mm-hmm. He didn't, you know, get involved in the match himself. He, played his role of enforcer well he enforced things on both sides yeah yeah Uh, took weapons away from both guys and everything i i thought it was very very good yeah 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 it was was good stuff and then of course making him an honorary inner circle member was you know what it it was was. yeah um there was a uh i i don't know what we're calling the group is it the bullet club uh, but there was a, a really, really good promo backstage with Kenny Omega, Don Callis, the Bucks and the Good Brothers talking about how, you know, the the be- it's just the beginning of the story. Yeah, I really liked this. I, I thought they came off like a great, despicable heel stable here. I know the Good Brothers gimmick is to be these annoying fucking <laughs> brothers, yes. brother brothers. Yes. I, I, and I know that it's, it's intention and it's working. I can't fucking stand those guys. <laughs> like it's, it's to the point where I tune out and don't pay attention to, to when they're on screen. And, you know, 
between them just being obnoxious on on dynamite and the uh, the stuff on BTE is just so cringe. Like, yeah. you know, Luke Gallows has this jerking off addiction and he can't like touch his dick for for a week. It's just what? Come on! It's I I it is not working for me. The Cows promo was really good. What Omega added to it was really good. You know, the Bucks double Fane super kick, but then Callus super kicks the cameraman yeah. sort of thing for whatever fucking reason. That worked more so than the fucking good brothers out there doing their ridiculous and very annoying shtick. Fair, fair. We had the aforementioned Chris Statlander match against Amber Nova. Pretty much just a return squash for Statlander. Uh, little bummed that she comes out to the best friends music now because I thought she had kind of a banger of a theme. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Statlander working a lot st- like uh, I all want to say big man style, but it was a lot of power moves from Stat, uh, including uh, a boop or two along the way. Boop. Uh, and uh, Stat looking real good. Mm. Real, mm. good. real nice. Christian was having a promo with Tony Schiavone and because it's a promo with Tony <laughs> Schiavone, of course, is interrupted and it's interrupted by Team Taz. Imagine that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, Taz is offended that Christian hasn't gotten back to him and has offered to join Team Taz. Christian yeah. makes a bingo hall joke. and Which um, really kind of bothered me because Taz hasn't been in a bingo hall since 1999. Yeah. I mean, you know. Christian, I guess, just is getting used to improving his promos again. Yeah, I don't fair. know. Um, but he flat out denies or, or turns down the offer. And then um, let's see what happened. They they attack him. It was it was Hobbs and Hook, I yes. think, yes. that Hobbs came out. Hobbs and Hook took him down because uh, Taz didn't want, excuse me, Cage or Starks to uh, get involved. Is that the next spinoff of the, uh, the Fast franchise, Hobbs yes. and Hook? Hobbs and Hook or, or Cajun, uh, Hobbs and Hook and Cajun Starks are both yeah, yeah. been also Fast and Furious. And goddamn, okay. when I watch those four guys in a Fast and Furious movie, just saying. Uh, but it, <laughs> I it, don't know if I want to see Brian Cage like act act. That's be. <laughs> uh, but uh, we are apparently getting uh, Hobbs versus Cage next week, which uh, cool. Christian Cage, which I, cool. I think should be good. Yes. Um, We'll all talk more about what's coming next week in a moment. Uh, then the main event was the Falls Count Anywhere match. Darby Allen defending the TNT Championship against Matt Hardy. I thought this was a full ECW special to the point of you have f- like four other storylines going on in the match during the match. Yeah, but was it too much? You don't think it was too much? I think it was a little too much, but there was one bit about it that I really enjoyed. So, yes. The Hardy family office came out and brawled. The Dark Order came out and brawled. Sting was out uh, Sting there. Sting came out there. Lance, Lance Archer, Archer came, came right. out there. Yeah. Uh, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky came out there, which was a little much. But while all of that was happening, and this is why I was like, you know what? I kind of like this. Darby and Matt Hardy kept fighting each other and Bryce stayed with them. Yeah. Like, you could see all this other ancillary shit going on, but in the background, their match is still happening untouched. Right. And and Bryce is sticking with them. And I just was like, that's kind of clever. I, again. I mean, it's the way it should be. It's too much, just not the way pro wrestling historically has acted. Yes. But I, I just was like, I, I kind of like that. That Bryce just kind of goes, that's not what I'm here for. Right. I have to pay attention to this and, and actually, you know, worked that match. Um but when it was just Darby versus Matt, very good. Again, I, I've, nothing I haven't said before about a Darby match. Guy's not here for a long time. He's here for a good time. Taking yeah. some 
dumbass bumps. Matt taking a real dumbass bump doing the fucking leg drop off a ladder through a table on a concrete floor uh, right yeah, on his ouchie. fucking tailbone. Um, Darby's offensive, you know, him throwing himself in at near or around you uh, remains yeah. entertaining as hell. And then the big yep. finish was the coffin drop off of the scaffolding through the commentary table, which, if memory serves correctly, is the first ever commentary table break in AEW history. And kudos to them for having the restraints for holding off a year and a half to do that. Yes. Because yes. that's that's a significant amount of time in pro wrestling. Yes. Um, so big win for Darby. And we roll on into Dynamite next week. We get Hikaru Shida defending the Women's World Championship against Tay Conti. Christian against Powerhouse Hobbs, which should be damn good. We've got Hangman Page versus Ricky Starks, which I am very much looking forward to. Yeah. Penta versus Trent should also be Hell damn yeah. good. And just added over the weekend, Darby said, line somebody up from the top five. So we've got Darby defending the TNT championship against Jungle Boy in what I assume will be the main event of the evening. Should be a very, very good match. Very excited to it's, see what happens. It's interesting to me because they're both like, you know, kind of homegrown AEW babyface talents. Yeah. Yeah, if you need so, proof that that you know the changing of the guard is already happening, it's that that, yeah. that we're gonna have Darby versus Jungle Boy as a main event of Dynamite. Do they finally pull the trigger on a big win for Jungle Boy? Oh, man, that is the one problem with this. Is yeah, I, I don't know. know if it's too soon. Somebody to has take to take the, the L off of Darby, and Jungle Boy really needs that big definitive singles win. I will say this. If they do it, I'm going sans pants and running around my neighborhood. <laughs> it, it would be great. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they do a uh, uh, TV time top Ooh, good uh, call. to try and protect both in, in the finish. Yeah, maybe, maybe build it to a pay-per-view down the line yeah, or something. Yeah, we got double or nothing coming up in about a month. Um, yeah. I, I would actually really love to see, you know, my brain just started churning like – if they go time limit, let's do Darby and Jungle Boy two out of three falls at the pay per view. Like, hell yeah, that, that sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, like let's make no. that happen. I'm here with that. I'm here for that. I'm here alongside that. I'm here to allow that into my life. And I don't have anything else for now. So bye. The Roughhouse Podcast is a weekly podcast fueled by coffee, pizza rolls, and the stench of dirty litter boxes. Follow Christoph and Marty on Twitter at RoughhouseSGW, at Facebook.com slash The Roughhouse Podcast, and at Patreon.com slash The Roughhouse Podcast for early access to episodes, exclusive podcasts, Roughhouse Redos, and Roughhouse Divided Movie Trivia Games. New episodes drop every single Monday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe, motherfuckers! This is the, the Rough, House, Rough Pod. House, uh podcast with Justin and Kristoff. That's it. Fuck Kristoff. He's terrible with his information. Okay. Hey, this is The Rock. Shut your mouth, jabronis, and listen up, because this is the Rough House podcast with Marty and my least favorite man on the planet, Kristoff. The preceding presentation was brought to you by The Realm Network. So you say you want to be a pro wrestler? Well, head on down to Dr. Bonerfingers Flapjack Jamboree Wrestling School. Hi, I'm Dr. Bonerfingers. 
I've never wrestled, but I have at least 14 to 15 VHS tapes of prior pro wrestling events. Slamboree, World War III, In Your House, 1997. I've owned them all. I've watched them multiple times. I once bought a pair of Owen Hart's tights off of eBay prior to his untimely demise. We have a ring set up. Is it a real ring? It's mostly just mats and some jump ropes I found at a local Salvation Army, but that shit looks pretty convincing. Come on down, $8,000 a month. Me and my certified staff, and by certified, I mean not a one of them has muscular dystrophy, will train you in the fine art of professional wrestling as we assume it's done since we watch a whole shit ton of wrestling. TNA, WWE, Ring of Honor, we watch it, we think we know what to do, and you're going to learn how to what to possibly do based on what the hell we think is up. Only $8,500 for enrollment or one huge-ass bag of cocaine. Again, Dr. Boner Fingers Flapjack Jamboree Wrestling School, located out back of the shed, out back of the Arby's at the corner of Butthole and Smith.